Welcome back to America Speaks. It is a thrill today, the day before our critical election of 2018, to be in conversation with Kathy Eldon, a woman who I have had the privilege to know for over 20 years and who has truly been an inspiration to me. We are delighted to include Pat Chandler, who is the CEO of Creative Visions. And once again, I want to include our producer, Kim Langbacker, for today's conversation. To give you a brief sense of Kathy's life, she was born in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and is a graduate of Wellesley College. Kathy has worked as a teacher, journalist, author, and film and television producer in England, Africa, and the United States. In 1998, Kathy launched Creative Visions Foundation, inspired by the life of her son, Dan Eldon, artist, creative activist, photojournalist, who was killed at the age of 22 in 1993 while on assignment for Reuters in Somalia. Since 2004, the organization has acted as an incubator, accelerator, and agency for more than 360 projects and productions by artists, filmmakers, playwrights, and leaders of social movements who use media and the arts to ignite positive social change. Creative Visions, which has impacted more than 100 million people, has been recognized as a United Nations non-governmental organization. Kathy, you have devoted your life to seeking solutions to elevate people's lives with a spotlight on women, young people, human rights, and the environment. So this leaves me to wonder how you can come to terms with today's current hateful climate that we are seeing in our politics today in the United States. Well, that's a profound question and a beautiful question. They always say it's darkest just before the light. And I guess if we look at history and you can see those periods of turmoil and dissent and then something happens and we move to another period. And I can only work towards the belief that we are going to shift this consciousness in the world from dissension and despair, from distress and disintegration to consciousness and collaboration and creativity. And I know we can do it. Mm-hmm. When you want to heal something, it has to be brought to the surface. Ugly as this seems, a lot of this has been underneath the surface for a long time. So we have to engage with it so that we can be a part of the healing and that healing can happen. So what is the solution and how can we become more inspired to become engaged? I think at the heart of inaction is a feeling that you don't matter. I would say that you matter. You need to be a part of all this as opposed to somehow rendering yourself invisible. You matter. That's what I would say. I have the great privilege of working with Pat, and Pat brings with her the African-American perspective, which is profoundly in America. There's a deep wound. And I, I lived in Kenya, which was a British colonialist country, but not as wounded as, let's say, South Africa, where I have also lived where there is so much pain that's been buried under the surface. And as you say, Pat, we have to bring out all that stuff. You know, Kathy, I have always felt just so in awe of what you do. You really were called as a mother to link what your life has been about with charging up and igniting young people in a call to action. Isn't that true? 
Yes, that is true. And I believe we all have a creative spark within us. And that spark can be used not only for ourselves, but also for others. And there are different things that spark us in our lives. And there can be incidents that are outside of ourselves that we just simply cannot allow to have happen for one more minute, or there are things that happen to us that really will mean that we have to react. I'd always been, I think, certainly active, and I'd been a journalist for much of my life, and really, in a way, called maybe by my Iowa Methodist upbringing and the United Nations Association that my parents belonged to, and making me learn German and French and Latin and a little bit of Russian by the age of 17, all these, and that, you know, I knew that there was a world outside of the cornfields. And I was definitely called to act, but didn't really know what to do. And it was when Dan was killed that I knew what to do. The only way that I could survive was to try to transform the horror of what had happened. I had to take that tragedy and turn it into a force for good. So I focused really primarily on youth. I believe the future obviously is in the hands of youth. Kathy, I think it's a great example because more than just living through something that was really hard and really dark, she transcended that. She made the conscious choice to transcend that. And in doing so, her energy, her spirit has actually attracted more people who are looking for that light, they're looking for how to, to transcend. And that's all part of the healing again. It's acknowledging because you can't ignore it. You acknowledge it and you look at the pain, you look at it's hurtful. You know, I'm a mother of three black boys, and we used to have this saying always that we couldn't wait to our boys were statistically irrelevant because so many of young black boys are killed before the age of 25. So we're like, God, if we can just get them to be 25, they will become less statistically you know, vulnerable. And so living with that knowledge doesn't mean you camp out in it. You understand that it's there. And then you work for that transforming and that healing. And part of that is by going into it as opposed to stepping back from it. Wow. That's such a powerful message today, right before we head to the polls. And I feel that there is a hopelessness underneath this feeling of our feet not being on the ground today. I mean, Kim, you and I talk a lot about how to get people excited. Doesn't this resonate with you, what Pat just mentioned? Absolutely. And I think that when you talk about giving people that sort of lift, if you will, and making sure that they understand that their voice does matter, it isn't just about voting. I think it goes to any number of things. When we look at all the things that are happening in our world, it can be absolutely overwhelming. And, you know, we each of us have a unique gift and it doesn't matter what that gift is. But if you have an understanding that you don't have to go out and make this big, massive change that you can start in your own backyard, then you are a part of that pebble in the pond effect. And I think that's what you all are doing is, is showing people how to be that pebble in the pond. You don't have to be the yeah. tsunami. You can be that wave that laps on the shore and spreads out from there. I love that, Kim. We can certainly impact the world around us. And Teddy Roosevelt, I always quote Teddy, he said, do what you can with what you have where you are. So that's manageable. We can do that. I think also because what you're all speaking to as well is that you're not alone because when you have been in that place where you don't think that you matter or where you have been invisible, it, it takes courage, you know, to step out and to own the fact that you do. And so I think it's just that you're not alone. There are lots of other people who feel similarly, but who are stepping out and up and it's about joining hands. And so I think that that's the one thing that we can all do is be that sort of spark of encouragement for other people and to go with them. If you're not used to expressing yourself, take somebody with you or, or reach out to someone that isn't doing that to, to make that happen. And we do that here at the center in so many ways. We're that place that 
you know, where we have our arms open, basically, <laughs> for people to come so that they can rejuvenate, feel courage, get, you know, what you need to keep going. That's like a vitamin for our soul. Pat, when I saw you recently, we were talking about what's going on in Atlanta and Georgia. And I, for one, am absolutely over the moon over the candidacy of Stacey Abrams for many reasons. She represents to me the candidate of the future, the new wave of women in politics. Yes. When you're looking at these concerted corporate efforts now to suppress the vote. So, Pat, tell us what you think is going on in Georgia right now. What you have there is the best of how things can work, and you also have the worst of how things can work happening all at the same time. Stacy is a powerful woman, and she's very smart, and she understands the powers at play there. And I think the people that she is gathering are trusting her to lead that in a way that is going to do least amount of harm. Because no matter what happens when this race is over, you still have to deal with what it has created. I've had many, many conversations with my friend in Georgia who are just angry and hurt at the things that are being done to suppress voting because we kind of feel like, oh my God, didn't we do this already? Ready? And here we are again. I'm hopeful in Georgia because I know the people and I know what's going on there. I'm hopeful that the Stacey will come out on top. And if she doesn't, we now have a new Georgia, really, right? Mm-hmm. There's a new understanding and there are new people who are adding their voice to the conversation so that we can make change happen there. I'd say it takes courage to make that change. And when I think of Stacy, I think of the whole new wave of candidates we've seen in 2018. And the one thing that stands out to me is courage. And on that note, you know, I don't think we can talk about courage today without understanding what journalists are going through. As a journalist yourself, I think it really is important today to understand how difficult the role of the journalist's life is out in the field, the dangerous world we are living in. And of course, we have recently seen that with the tragic death of the Washington Post journalist Khashoggi. And I know that must have been a very difficult story on its face for you. But I want just to have you reach out to our listeners and talk about what it means to be a courageous journalist with the opposition that we're facing today? Oh, my goodness. I am so grateful for this question. I was a storyteller. I told stories in Kenya, but I didn't have to risk my life. I didn't have to step out of the safety of my home and know that if I took a picture or if I wrote an article that somebody would want to literally kidnap me or harass me or hurt my children or kill me. And that, tragically, since Dan was killed, more than a thousand journalists have been killed. He was killed in 1993. Um, That year, 56 journalists were killed. Now, I think it's hovering around that number, but many more are threatened or just harassed and, and mostly in the countries of their origin. What we saw most recently, tragically, reminds us that when you stir up people against journalism, against telling stories, when you imply that they are not being truthful, when you praise people who hurt other journalists and you do it publicly, there becomes a sort of mob mentality and that it's okay to hurt the storytellers. It is not okay. And the tragedy, the public tragedy of this beautiful man being killed in such a gruesome and grisly and horrific way only serves to remind us that there are countless others around the world who are enduring 
less public and perhaps the stories are not as horrific, but they're equally upsetting to the families that are losing those journalists. Amen, Kathy. And we must always remember that and be grateful. Kim, do you have any last parting comments? We have to operate in the politics of hope. And that's where I choose to live. And I think that what Creative Visions does is to bring about that opportunity that we all have a role to play, that hope is our greatest ally. So I'm just really grateful that there are organizations such as yours that are out there and that you've given us some time today. And hopefully our listeners will be inspired to learn more about you and to support the work that you're doing. So thank you both. So with that said, I would love you to tell our audience, how does everybody reach you? You can reach us by going to our website, which is creativevisions.org. And on our website, we have this section called Get Involved. There are several different ways to get involved. And we would just say, you know, please join us to get to know us better. Thank you so much, Kathy and Pat. Today's conversation truly boosted my spirits and reinforced my resolve. This is the perfect message that we want to send everyone as you go off to the polls if you have not already voted. Kathy and Pat look beyond themselves at the world outside the cornfields, as it were. There is magic in each of us as we place ourselves boldly in what we will determine to be our future. If you have protested for anything in the past 18 years, you very well may be in my book, I Protest. Please go to my website, tishlampert.org. That's www.tishlampert.org and see if you can find yourself in my book. You can also follow me on Twitter at tishlampertcom. That's at T-I-S-H-L-A-M-P-E-R-T-C-O-M. And find me on Instagram, T-I-S-H underscore L-A-M-P-E-R-T underscore O-R-G. And I want to invite everyone to go to Tish Lampert's America Speaks on Apple Podcasts, where you can find our archived episodes. And once again, I want to thank James Koblenz, Oscar Batista, and Kim Langbacker, without whom this episode would not be possible. And lastly, we would love to hear from you. Please write to us at americaspeakspodcast at gmail.com and tell us what you thought of today's episode and come back for our next episode of America Speaks. Remember, America Speaks believes every one of us has a story. And a voice. <laughs>